to the book of Daniel, a prophetic book. The book of Daniel and the book of Revelation are brother and sister. Uh, without the book of Daniel, there's parts of the book of Revelation are not able to be understood. But Daniel makes uh, lots of uh, the book of Revelation understandable. Uh, history is his story. God is in control. Uh, people are making choices. People are, uh, are free will creatures. They're made in the image of God. They have their own cognizance. You have your own cognizance to so the place where God will allow you to make bad decisions. God has so guaranteed your free will that he'll allow you to make bad decisions even to the place of sending yourself to hell. Did you hear what I said? Sending yourself to hell. But it's not... God himself has done everything he can to stop you from going to hell. He doesn't want you to go to hell. I just, you know, 1 Peter 3, 9. And so God loves you. And he's given himself for you, prepared the way, made it easy as you could make it. And so if you have somebody this time of year, I hope that you emphasize Christ to them. I want to read this is a side note, okay? This, this isn't really directly involved with what I'm going to preach on in Daniel chapter 12. I'm going to read first 10 verses there, or 10 verses. But I want to read Luke chapter 21, verse 25 and 26, while I'm talking about prophecy a little bit. In Luke chapter 21, 25 and 26, which really doesn't have a whole lot to do with this message, but I just got to do it. Jesus said, and there shall be signs in the sun and in the moon and in the stars. And upon the earth, distress of nations with perplexity and the sea and the waves roaring. Men's hearts failing them for fear. Why? For the looking after those things which are coming on the earth, for the powers of heaven shall be shaken. That is a description of real climate change. What you're seeing now is not. But there will be a time when God is going to shake this whole thing to the degree that men's hearts will be failing them for fear. Among those folks who believe that we got 12 years left, they already are living in fear, and, and because of that fear, making knee-jerk reactions and decisions and policies. But trust me, God's got this earth well under control, and there is going to come a time 
when he will send dramatic climate change. But it won't be uh, two degrees in 100 years. It'll be a whole lot more and a whole lot easier to remember. And, and when you look at the stars, you'll be able to tell something's going on. When you look at the sun, you'll be able to tell something's going on. When you look at the moon, something's going to be going on. And it says the whole thing's going to be shaken, going to be out of, to the place where nobody's going to disagree on the thing. It's going to say something big has happened. You know this whole, you know this world's going to eventually be burned up with fire. The Bible describes the earth as a garment that's growing old. And the earth is getting tired. And it is old. And it's getting, and it's wearing down. The second law of thermodynamics, which I, any, any decent scientist holds to the two laws of thermodynamics. The second law is that all things are running down. I mean, look at yourself in the mirror. Brother, I, I ain't getting better. You know, things aren't going better for me. And neither are they for you. When I, I bought a new, new car, I, my dad really liked new cars, and I bought a new car. I remember I bought my first new car, 1969 Camaro. Muncie, Muncie chrome, Muncie shift in the floor, 350, and it was an S Sport Coupe. And, and man, I was just enamored with that car. I was carnal, you know, carnal. And my dad came in there and deflated my holy helium by saying, son, this is the best this car's ever going to look. From here out, it's going downhill. And I thought, oh, great. Three weeks later, a lady, I went in to get a donut at the donut shop, and a lady in a house coat didn't even get dressed, got in her car and backed in, smashed my whole, whole side of that car in. Got out in her flip-flops and her house coat with her hair up in them big roller things like that. She looked like, from, looked like she was something from another planet. I felt sorry for her husband. Okay, now, I haven't started the message yet. <laughs> that was just, sur that was surplus, extra, like icing on the cake. Now let's go to Daniel chapter 12, 1 through 10. At that time, Michael, that's the angel Michael, cherubim actually, cherub, shall stand up, that great prince which standeth for the children of thy people. And there shall be a time of trouble. He's describing the tribulation, actually the last three and a half years of the tribulation period. Such as never was since there was a nation. In other words, it's not been before, never will be after. Even so that at the same time and at that time thy people shall be delivered. Everyone shall be found. Everyone that is found written in the book. That could be described in the rapture. I've often wondered about that. And many of them that sleep in the dust of the earth shall wake some to everlasting life and some to shame and everlasting contempt. Talking about the two major resurrections, even though there will be more than one resurrection. And they that be wise, and I want you to circle that or highlight that, and they that be wise shall shine as a brightness of the firmament. And they that turn many to righteousness Turn many to righteousness. You ought to circle that. Because those are two things that I want in my life, that you ought to want in your life. Uh, the, basically, you can say, we'll shine as the stars forever and ever. So they that be wise shall shine as the brightness of the firmament. That's phenomenal. That's just mind-blowing. They that turn many, many to righteousness will, as, will shine, because it's part of the sentence there, as the stars forever. You know, God's going to make us 
luminaries. I don't have time. That's not part of this message either. But we are going to be given light to where when we walk in a room, the room will light up. Moses, when he was in the very presence of God, what happened to him? His face lit. Because God is light. And in him is no darkness at all. Well, we got good things looking. I'm excited about the future. You young people, man, don't listen to the news. They'll make you, they'll make you think the whole end of it. But if you're a born-again Christian this morning, everything is looking, whoo, going to be good and getting better. But thou, O Daniel, shut up the words and seal the book, even the time of the end. Boy, I would love to get a peek at what was there. Many shall run to and fro, and knowledge shall be increased. Wow. That's prophetic, amen? There's never been, as far as we know, maybe before the flood, but never been since the flood an internet. Never been since the flood of computer systems. Never been since the flood electronics and communication ability like we've had in the last hundred years. Never since the flood has there been a time of nuclear power where we have harnessed the power of the atom to where we could literally self-destruct if God would allow it. So we're living in, at least in the edge of this whole thing, we are in a time unique to time. Time stayed pretty much the same for many thousands of years. Combustion engine and all the inventions. I don't know if you ever looked at the list of inventions in the last 100 years. This is unbelievable. Last 200 years, phenomenal. It's accelerating as it goes exponentially. We're coming up to something. Well, he says all the way back here, this is about 500 plus B.C. written. Knowledge shall increase. Then I, Daniel, looked, and behold, there stood uh, the other stood other two or two other people, the one on one side of the bank of the river and the other on the other side of the bank of the river. And one said, the man clothed in linen, which was upon the waters of the river, how long shall it be to the end of these wonders? Now, that's a, that's a good question. And I heard the man clothed in linen, which was upon the waters of the river, which he held up his right hand and he held up his left, left hand unto heaven like this. And swear by him that liveth forever and ever, that it shall be for a time, times, and a half a time. That's three and a half years. And he shall, and when he shall have accomplished to scatter the power of the holy people, all these things shall be finished. Of course, we learn a whole lot more about the detail of that in the book of Revelation, don't we? And I heard and I understand, I understood not. Then I, then said I, oh, my Lord, what shall be the end of these things? Again, that same question. And he said, go thy way, Daniel. For the words are closed up and sealed till the time of the end. Isn't that interesting? And this is the text verse, verse 10. Many shall be purified and made white and tried. But the wicked shall do wickedly. And none of the wicked shall understand. You ought to circle and underline that phrase. None of the wicked shall understand. And then the next phrase is the key to the sermon, but the wise shall understand. This morning, do you understand what's going on? 
I believe the understanding he's talking about here can only be given to you by the Holy Spirit. The wisdom he's talking about is not common wisdom. It's spiritual wisdom. 1 Corinthians 2.14 says, The natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him. Neither can he know them, because they're spiritually, they're spiritually, that's the key right there, discern. When you get saved and born from above, you realize you're a sinner unable to save yourself by any amount of good works or any amount of religion. You realize Jesus was the Christ, the son of the very living God, and he came and he died for your sins, substituted, paid for them. And the third day he was resurrected and conquered death, abolished death, in fact, for those who would believe. If you'll confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus is your Lord, is Lord, is who he said he was. Believe that God raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. It can't be like buying an insurance policy. It's got to be with all your heart. It's got to be real. It's got to be life-changing. And when, God, when that happens, the Holy Spirit will come in. The Bible says, no, you're not. Your bodies are the temples of the Holy Spirit in whom God dwells. The Holy Spirit comes in and dwells in you. Now, from that moment on, your life is absolutely and radically changed. Now, there's a growth period, absolutely. But in coming in you, God gives you some wisdom. Because God is wisdom. And he gives you wisdom. That's the use of knowledge, why, understanding why things work. He gives you enlightenment. The Bible says the wise shall understand. And that's true, I believe, in, in many subjects of life. But I asked the question this morning, what shall the wise understand? Let me give you a few things the wise shall understand. First of all, maybe foremost of all, the wise shall understand that they need to be saved, that they need a Savior, that they're lost and undone, able to save themselves, that nothing to the cross they bring, only to Christ Jesus they cling. I like Revelation twenty-two seventeen, where it says, The Spirit and the bride say, Come. Let him that heareth say, Come. Let him that is a thirst say, Come. And whosoever will, let him take of the water of life freely. I believe the Holy Spirit has given an open invitation to salvation to every soul that takes a breath. I an absolute and totally reject John Calvin and the Institutes that he wrote. It's not Bible. It doesn't hold. It makes more problems than it solves. God in his foreknowledge chose those and understood those who would be saved, but it was according to foreknowledge, not determinative, not determinative knowledge. I reject the, the, the theory that says that God chose certain people for salvation and certain people for hell. That just is not the God of the Bible. And it does not represent the Bible. It's fine if you leave part of the Bible alone and don't mention it. I absolutely believe in the sovereignty of God, but I believe He's so sovereign, He can give His creatures free will and not have this thing roll out in chaos. In spite of all of that, He still is the God of all that is. He gives an invitation. It's a broad invitation. Whosoever will, 
take of the water of life free. This morning I give the invitation again. Whosoever will may come. Come. The bride, that's the church, says come. The spirit in inhabiting the church says come. If you're thirsty this morning, come. You're going to find your answer in the Lord Jesus Christ. That's wisdom of the ages right there. God wants them all to be saved. 2 Peter 3, 9, as I mentioned before, the Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. There doesn't have to be another verse in the Bible, though there are many others. There doesn't have to be another verse in the Bible for me to tell you that God wants everybody to be saved. The price for their salvation has been paid in full. Glory. We ought to get happy about that this morning. You can sit here this morning and say, by the grace of Almighty God and what he has done for you, your sins are forgiven. Gone, 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 gone. Yes, my sins are gone. Buried in the deepest sea. And in my heart's a song. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but the world through him might be saved. He that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already, because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. If you're sitting here and say, I haven't made a decision yet, preacher, you've already made it. If you're saved this morning, you ought to know you're saved. If I asked everybody in this room that was a driver, do you, or do you have your driver's license? They'd say yes or no. They wouldn't say, well, I may, I hope. When you ask people if they're saved, they say, well, I hope I am. I could be. I may be. The priest said I am. Now, that won't go too big with, a, with an officer if he pulls you over on the way home and he says, give me your driver's license. You say, well, you know, officer, I thought I had one. My pastor, I tell, said I had one. Well, that's going to do him a lot of good. Uh, the chief said I had one. I won't even, even though he was police chief and had authority as a policeman for law. It won't, it won't help you. Show me your driver's license. They call it prima facie evidence. It's like you got it or you don't have it. I asked you this morning, do you know, you know Jesus is your Savior or do you not? And if you say, well, I'm, 90, I'm 60% sure, you probably aren't. Because those are somebody that is a, as big as the Holy Spirit is coming into your life, brother, he's going to give you assurance. The Bible says the Spirit of God witnesses with our spirit that we're his. What's holding you back? Do you not understand your peril? I have a friend of mine. It's a, med it's a GI doctor. He's a surgeon. He, did a, he went to Rwanda when they had that war over there in Africa, and they were chopping each other with the machetes, chopping each other. Horror, just a horrid, horrid human crisis. And he went over there as a medical doctor to do what he could, and, and he just he said, I saw stuff I never believed could happen to people. And he was in a year over there, and uh, he, I, I've, I've gotten to know him, Dr. Sundin. Dr. Sundin, I'd love to see Dr. Sundin save. He says he's an atheist. He was a Buddhist. Now he says he's an atheist or agnostic. You know, he keeps floating around. You know what the problem with Dr. Sundin is? He doesn't understand his peril. Your heart quits beating today, or your brain gets a blood clot where you can't think straight. Uh, you'll get to a position you cannot be saved. Where you, why you have a good, clear mind and why you have your cognizance is when you want to trust Christ as your Savior. 
Do you understand? Do you have wisdom to understand your peril? But many do not seem to understand, do they? They ignore it or deny it or try to postpone it. I ask the question, where will you be 100 years from now? Do you know, I can safely say 100 years from now, nobody sitting in this room will be alive. That's how short we live. That's just 100 years. Now, 100 years is not a long time, really. As far as this building may last 100 years. It may last that long. It'll outlast us. And yet people act like they're going to live forever. Oh, I got time, preacher. I'll think about I'll do that after I sow my wild. You're not going to be able to. How do you know you're going to be able to sow your wild oats? How do you know you're not going to die in the meantime? But the wise, the Bible says, understand. They understand that. They understand their peril, and they've trusted Christ as their Savior. The second thing they understand is they understand, the wise understand the opportunity they have in this life. You know, this life as a born-again Christian is the greatest. You people that are, that are investors, you people that like to roll homes over and, 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 and you know, reproduce your money, and, and money makes money, and, and, and you like to just go out there and see what you can do with, with what you've been given. Did you know every born-again Christian has that opportunity, but more than that? I'll, I'll, I'll give me, let me give you some. In Matthew chapter 10, verse 42 says, Whosoever shall give to drink of, unto one of these little ones, that's little children, a cup of cold water only, in the name of a disciple, verily I say unto you, he shall in no wise lose his reward. Jesus' words, those that are wise not only understand they need salvation, but they understand after they're saved, this is an opportunity of opportunities, this thing called life. We don't want to waste it on ourselves. We don't want to waste it on a bunch of pleasure. We don't want to waste it on our, what, we, what we consider important. We want to give it to God and watch him reproduce what we give to him. Do you know Matthew chapter 12, verse 36, 37, you may not hurt to know where that's at, but I say unto you, that every idle word that men shall speak, they shall give account thereof in the day of judgment. Now listen to this. For by thy words thou shalt be justified. That's good. And by thy words thou shalt be condemned. That's bad. You get it? But I used to look at that verse in a negative way. And I would say, every idle word, you mean the things I said about Ludwig and Crab and, and all that people? The truth is, why can't they be good? Why can't they be good? Why can't you make your mouth speak by the grace of God through the Holy Spirit good things? If I got to give an account of every idle word, he says, by your words, you'll be justified. By your words, you'll be condemned. Why don't you say a lot of good words? Amen? Why don't you lift people up? Why don't you lift people up to God in prayer? Those are good words. Why don't you try to help people know Christ? Those are good words. There's all kinds of opportunities we have of making an eternal, eternal investment where the thieves can't break in and steal, where the moth don't get in, where the rust doesn't get in and corrupt, that God himself is holding for us when we get to cross over. Whew. Whatever you give up for Jesus, God says, I'm going to take care of you. Where is that, Pastor? Thank you for asking. 
Mark chapter 10, verse 29 and 30. Jesus said, Verily I say unto you, there is no man that hath left house, brethren, sisters, father, mother, wife, left wife, or children, or lands for my sake and the gospels, but he shall receive a hundredfold now in this time, houses and brethren and sisters and mother and children and lands and persecutions. And in the world to come, eternal life. I think I had that verse out there in the hallway for a long time in the version of it of Matthew. And that's... It should be over, those, over the mission board. You know, all those people up there are mission. They've left their houses. They've left their land. They've left their brothers. They've left their sisters. They've left their mother. Uh, they didn't leave their wives, hopefully. But the old, I think the old-time evangelists. The old-time evangelists, when I was a kid, they'd be on the road 10 months a year, and their wife would be home raising the kids and stuff. They literally had left their wife for 10 months a year and their children for 10 months a year for Jesus' sake. And God says, you do that for me, I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to take care of you. That's what that tells me. The wise understand that. The wise understand that God is especially pleased with those who try to turn folks to righteousness. They that be wise shall shine as the brightness, as I mentioned before, as the firmament, as the stars forever and ever. The fruit of the righteous, Proverbs 11.30 says, is the tree of life, and he that winneth souls is the old-timers in here. How many? Amen. amen. The old-timers, amen. The old-timers in here. You remember, he that winneth souls is wise. In the 60s and 70s was a great soul-winning time for the church. I mean, we were out soul-winning as I've never seen before and since. And we were out every way you could be out soul winning. Let's go soul winning. Jack Hiles had a program, radio program. And soul winning and, and, and Kennedy across the way, a Presbyterian of all people, started the uh, evangelism explosion program. And, and it went all over the world, really. How to win souls to Christ, asking the two questions. Had the two question Anybody here got the two question marks on their suit? No, they all died. I used, to, I used to have see a lot of people at the church, they have two question marks. Those are the two questions. If you died and stood before God and he asked you, why should I let you into heaven, what would you say? I mean, stuff like that. It gets the conversation going. And, and they were turning many to righteousness. You know that pleases God. It pleases God when you pass tracts out and hope that somebody will get a hold of that and read that and trust him as Savior. It pleases God when you give the missionaries that are out there in lands that you and I can't go. It pleases God when you pray for those folks by name and ask if their families be helped and their children be helped and that they overcome the resistances where they're at. It pleases God when we gather together on Sundays and put our hands together and put our time, talent, and treasure together here at Gospel Baptist and try to go out in the neighborhoods and the highways and the hedges and compel them to come in. It pleases God to do the bus ministry. It pleases God to do door to door. It pleases God to go to the nursing home and try to snatch some of those souls for Christ just before they fall off the edge of life. It pleases God to turn many to righteousness. The wise understand that. So the wise understand their need for salvation. 
Their wives understand the opportunity that this life affords a born-again believer. And thirdly, and it's just getting better, the wife, the, uh, the wife, my wife's going to come home at midnight Monday, by the way, if you want to know. Sometimes I just love my mouth doesn't follow my mind. The wise thirdly understand the concept of the unimaginable. The concept of the unimaginable. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, 9 and 10. As it is written, I have not seen nor ear heard, neither has entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. That's in the Bible. The wise understand that. But the next verse says, but God hath revealed them unto us by his spirit. That means we understand them. For the Spirit searcheth all things, yea, the deep things of God. The wise understand that something lies beyond this life. When you look at a born-again Christian that loves Jesus and, and, and has read the Bible and is into the Word of God and the Spirit of God, there's, a, there's almost a glimmer of light in their eye. They have this distant reflection of glory, this distant look. Somehow that they've seen Him who is invisible. Oh, that's what it's about. I know it did a lot for Moses. It's, it's not visible to the naked eye. It's not visible to, to the natural eye. It's only visible to the spiritual eye. It's not of this world. In Hebrews eleven twenty seven, it says that by faith, Moses forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. When I was at Tabernacle Baptist Church, I used to enjoy them old-timers. I was young in my 20s, and them old-timers had been mill workers most of their lives. They were dark to dark, went to work in the dark, came home in the dark. They worked in a dreary, windowless factory. No OSHA. No uh, dust covers for their lungs. Uh, no safety precautions. And if you got hurt, they just got another person to replace you. A lot of them old boys, they had a hard, man. I did a lot of work for them in floor covering. Went in their little houses, in a little four-room square house. You just call it a mill house. And they were, the, the, the the mill would build them. They'd just be rows of mill houses. That was their employees. And they, they made just enough money to survive, and that was it. But man, a lot of them people got saved. And man, it was fun to go to church with them. In that bright city, pearly white city, I've got a mansion and harp and a crown. Now I am watching, waiting, and longing for that white city of God coming down. 
That's what they'd sing. Them old girls would sing it, if I may do it. Them old girls would sing it with an old crackled voice, and they should have stopped singing 20 years ago. And they'd have a little hanky, you know. And that was because they were tears would well up when they thought about that city. Dear one, they were wise. They had wisdom. Because the wise understand they need to be saved. The wise understand this life as a Christian is just one grand opportunity. Woo! You know what the problem with the great, with the, with the beam of seat of Christ and the judgment for Christians is going to be? It's going to be that you will realize the opportunities that you wasted. It will not be so much, I don't think, what you've done, because your sin will be under the blood. But your, your judgment at the great white, and not the great white throne, but at the beam of seat of Christ is going to be your works are going to be piled up. And the fire of God's justice will burn it. And what is left, the silver, the gold, and the precious stones, as the Bible describes it, that you get to keep for eternity. And it's not like keep like greedy keep. No, no. We're talking purity here. We're talking no covetousness in heaven. And it will be so painful to think of the times that you could have done more. That you could have gone further. That you could have given more. That you could have labored longer. That you could have been more diligent. Ooh, that is going to be the pain. The Bible says that those at that judgment will suffer loss. And that's why the Bible says there'll be a time that God's going to wipe every tear from your eye. You know there's going to be tears in heaven. People say there's going to be tears. Yeah, there'll be tears. There's going to be tears to a time when all the judgment's done, then God's going to wipe the tears from their eyes. There's going to be no more pain, no more sorrow, no more, you know what? No more memory of the failure. Because if you don't take the memory of the failure away, you can't take the tears away. People say, well, what about my, my husband who died lost? Or what about my wife who died lost? What about my father or mother who died lost? It's a heartbreak now. And it may be a heartbreak even on the other side. But there'll be a time when God erases the memory of that. And the Bible says the former things shall not be remembered or come into mind. And you'll have absolute freedom from sorrow. And then be asked to do God's will and work in heaven. So, now only the wise understand this. If I, if I told these same words to AOC, she would think I'm C-R-A-Z-Y. But only the wise know why we sing the songs of Zion. Only the wise understand why we love the old King James Bible the way we do. Only the wise understand why we forsake the pleasures 
of sin. Only the wise know why we patiently bear through troubles and losses and heartaches and persecutions and sufferings. Only the wise understand why we want to talk about Jesus so much. And only the wise understand why we look for a city whose builder and maker is God. If I may humor me, in that bright city, pearly white city, I've got a mansion and harp and a crown. Boy, I tell you what, I'm looking forward to meeting Jesus. I don't want you to waste your life. I want you to be wise. Will you be wise? It's your choice. God in His sovereignty gives you the freedom of choice this morning. Will you be wise? You say, preacher, I wish I'd have got saved younger. Don't. You got saved when you got saved. Amen. You know, what's, you know what's encouraging about that? The guy who worked 11 hours in the heat of the day, in the heat of the day that's me. I got right with God 18 years old, and I've worked all this time by the grace of God in the heat of the day. I don't get a different reward than the one who got saved and only worked one hour. You with me? In other words, a just God's going to do the right thing. There'll be no covetousness in heaven. And you won't be able to say, you know, my mansion is not as big as your mansion. There ain't going to be none of that. What is a, a house but just a place to sleep, a place to dwell? Oh, but we get to be there together, redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. These are they who won the battle. These are they who stood the test, robed in garments pure and spotless, the redeemed the pure and blessed. Father, help us this morning to be able to understand, <laughs> to be able to understand. Father, the wise will understand. But the wicked, the Bible says, they will do wickedly, but they will not understand any of this. They will not and ever understand any of what we're doing, why we are what we are. Because they've rejected the one who can allow them to understand. Father, we pray that the wisdom from heaven may be allowed. That may be seen by somebody in this room this morning. The wisdom of Jesus Christ. We pray, Father, that someone could trust you as your, their personal Savior and nail that thing down. Father, but may Christians in this room not throw their life away. The devil's constantly trying to, trying to cause us to waste, waste this time. Wasted years, wasted years. Oh, how foolish. Always oh, trying to cause us to waste our time. He can't damn us to hell anymore. We've been saved. But he can, he can cause us to waste it. Father, forgive us where we have lost vision lost sight of the eternality of the whole thing. 
Help us to be wise. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's stand If you would like to know more about the Lord Jesus Christ, you may contact us at the church website, gospelbaptistchurch.com, or you can go to Facebook and type in Gospel Baptist Church Bonita Springs, Florida. Also, you could call the church office at 239-947-1285. Thank you, and God bless.